Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. Welcome back. Wow. I honestly cannot believe that it has been four months since season one of the podcast ended. And then we went into our summer break, and now summer's over. (laughs) We all survived summer, so that's the good news. But so much has happened in all of our lives the past four months. And I'm so excited to be able to connect again with you this way. So thanks for joining me on the podcast. Where we left off four months ago was my book, I Am Here, just released. And then Mike and I decided that we were going to go live in Hawaii for the summer and kind of slow down and figure out what came next in our lives. And I want to share a little bit with you about that process. Um, This is something that I haven't shared yet, but I think it's important because all of us go through times in our lives where maybe we feel a little bit stuck or maybe we're not where we thought we would be at that point in our life or maybe we're just we just wish things were a little bit different and that's where I found myself this summer when we went to Hawaii I knew that we needed to go there for whatever reason but I never knew what was going to come after Hawaii when we got home. And that was really, that was really weird for me and hard because normally I know what is coming next in my life, or at least I have plans on what's coming next in my career, or I I always really pay attention to just my internal compass and my gut and my intuition telling me what project or what thing is is going, needs to be focused on next in my life. And so the summer was really bizarre because all I knew was that we needed to go to Hawaii. And then after that, everything felt really blank. Something that's been really hard for us is that we thought we'd be pregnant by now. I thought that for sure we would at least be pregnant if not um, have a newborn baby, it it's September, so it's been a full year of us trying to conceive again after we lost Jace. And never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be turning 35 in just two months and that we would still be wondering why we're not pregnant. Um, so... Right before we left for Hawaii in May, we did our last IUI. And if you're not familiar with IUI or or that kind of fertility journey language, what an IUI is, is basically you take the swimmers and they they put them directly into your uh, uterus. And so it increases your chances of getting pregnant. And it was our third time doing that, second or third time, I can't remember actually, second time, Um, and it didn't work. And we were absolutely devastated. I mean, it felt like someone 
really just took a baseball bat to my soul and just beat out whatever was left inside of me. We were really hopeful for that round. And I had responded to the medication really, really well. And so, so then we left and we decided that we were gonna take a fertility break, uh, a fertility treatment break. Up until this point, I mean, even still, I'm, I'm not diagnosed with anything. Everything always looks good. My tests always look good. My uh, ultrasounds always look good. And, and so while that is great, it is also hard because everyone keeps thinking, okay, this will be the month that you get pregnant. Your body has just needed to, to keep healing and, and calm down a little bit from last year. And then another month goes by and I'm still not pregnant and, and no one can tell me why. So when we went to Hawaii, uh, I heard from so many people, oh my gosh, it, it's, it's during our months of taking a break that we finally got pregnant after years of not. And so, and, and while I appreciate stories like that, they get really overwhelming because then you have this expectation of, okay, well, we're not trying to conceive, we're taking a break, but... <laughs> but there's this huge hope that we're still going to get pregnant or maybe this is the month the miracle happens or whatever it is. And then when it doesn't happen, you just feel like something's even more wrong with you. So while we were gone, I did have this hope that while we were just trying to focus on other things that maybe we'd get pregnant and we didn't, didn't get pregnant. So after a month of being um, gone, I had this little breakdown moment on the beach, which was which was actually really beautiful. I just I just remember there sitting in the sand and praying and meditating, and I took out my journal, which is what I always do when I record my thoughts, and I just sat there and and I was just like, God, I need to know what comes next for me because I feel really hopeless and helpless right now and I feel really purposeless. I think that that's a feeling that a lot of us feel at different times in our lives is that feeling of a lack of purpose and a lie that we tell ourselves is that purpose is that some is something that we must go out and find that we must seek it and if we make the wrong choice then we miss our purpose forever do you ever feel like that and it, it builds a lot of pressure on us to make the right decision or to feel like our life has value and meaning when in reality you have purpose because you're here your your purpose is being here and I had to really sit with that and and come to the conclusion for myself and feel it deep in my soul and deep in my bones that whether I am a physical mother again or not, that my life has meaning and it has purpose and that I need to stop seeking for it outside of myself. So once I, once I did that, I... I had this moment where finally I said, I am open to receive whatever life has to offer me. And for me, that was a big deal because it released my expectations of getting pregnant under a certain timeline and having life look a certain way. Because what I also was doing is that I've been inhabiting parts of my career in case I was pregnant. So I didn't want to take on more speaking events because I didn't want to be traveling if I'm pregnant. And I didn't want to be planning events for the future with you guys in case I was pregnant. I didn't want to be sick during those. You know, so like everything that I've been choosing to do in my life has been based off of the premise that I am going to be pregnant. And I had to let that go. Now, as I was sitting there in that moment, the thought came so clear. Up until this time, I had no clarity on what was what I could or should or would like to be doing in my life right now. And this it was like someone struck me with lightning. The the clarity was so strong and intense and my mind was so clear. And to give you a backstory on what I'm about to tell you 
is that over the past couple of years, my sister and I have talked extensively over and over again about how cool and impactful it would be if we went back to school uh, to learn just more about mental health so that we could further help people with their mental health and with their healing and in their grieving process. And so it's something that we I've talked about and thought a lot about in the past couple of years, but I just, it, it, that's all it was, was a thought. So as I'm sitting on the beach, the clarity that came was, it is time for you to go back to school. And that answer came after I let go of other expectations and it filled me with so much joy that I literally got up off of the beach. I ran inside our rental house that was across the street. I got on the computer and I started researching programs that would be beneficial for me so that I could be beneficial for you. I went through, man, I don't know. I probably spent a couple hours researching in depth uh, what colleges <laughs> have the type of master's program that focuses on what I want and what I wanted it to focus on specifically was mental health and wellness in the grieving and healing space. You guys, <laughs> I, I found the program within a couple hours uh, from Grand Canyon University. It's here in Arizona and they literally have a master's program called the Masters of Science in Mental Health and Wellness with an emphasis in grief and bereavement. And I was like, this is it. I, I online, I signed up for more information uh, within minutes. An enrollment advisor was calling me. We talked for hours. I thought about it for a couple days. And by the end of the week, I was signed up for school and I started it while we were still in Hawaii. I've been in school now for, it's been seven, going on eight weeks. And I'm in the middle of my master's program, which is what I want to talk about with you because I know what it feels like to be at a point in your life where you think you are too old too far behind, have lost too much time, or circumstances are too not in your favor to pursue a new path that would bring you joy. And I think that one of the biggest setbacks in all of our lives is this thought, is this lie, is this thing that we hear from society around us that once you reach a certain age, that you're too old to do anything new. Or that when you're out of your 20s, that's it. And we put so much focus on our 20s, on our early 30s to figure out life, all of life and all of what it has to offer us when we still have over half of our lives to be living. What a disservice to us and everyone around us that that is embedded in our culture. And, and then that becomes who we are because we stop pursuing things that that could help us contribute more to society and to our own lives. So today, I'm bringing my brother-in-law on, who also started school in his 30s. You're going to hear more from him, but he's in medical school right now. And he has three little kids, and he already had an amazing career as a physical therapist. <laughs> and what I really want you to take home today, like what I want you to feel with this is that it's not too late for you to change course. In fact, all of the experiences that you have had up until this point could be the very things that you have needed to succeed in a new venture. Let's stop ending our stories too soon. Let's start being okay with pivoting when things don't work out the way that we thought that they were going to, that, that it's okay to deeply feel inside of us that there is still meaningful, purposeful, joy-filled life for us to live outside of what we originally expected for ourselves. So that's my update for you is that I'm in a master's program right now with an emphasis 
on coursework and research that is going to equip me to more fully empower you to heal through your grief, to find mental wellness, to find healing and resources and tools. And I'm so excited because pretty soon I'm going to be announcing our first retreats that we are starting next year where you and I can gather in small groups of women who are going through the same type of challenges that we are and that we can take a couple of days in quiet to figure out in the core of us what it is that we need to keep moving forward in our lives so that we stop staying stuck in our pain and it can become a teacher that will serve us the rest of our lives. I am so honored to be on this journey with you. I am so freaking excited about it. And I'll tell you this, uh, when I started school, one of the lies that, that I had was, you can't do this. You're a, you write memoirs. You write content for social media. You can't write research papers. You can't write thesis. You can't, like, I, I was so wrapped in my head that I wasn't going to do well. Um, in the new type of writing style and research style that I that I'm you know in now for the next year and a half, can I just tell you that I have gotten A pluses on every assignment so far? In fact, my first big thesis was due last week. I've been freaking out all week. I'm like, for sure, I'm gonna get a C on this. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I I didn't know if I was doing it right. It was my first one. A thesis is basically you write an argument and then you write a paper supporting that argument and you you use research to back it up. Like it was my first real big one. Y'all, last night I saw my score, I got an A plus. She said, and, and my teacher is tough. She's a doctor, uh, she's a psychologist up in New York. She is tough. And she said, Ashley, this was an excellent paper. And I am like, oh my gosh, it was, wasn't it? And I'm not telling you this to brag or to even have a humble brag. I am telling you this because the lies we tell ourselves that we cannot do it are not true. They're not true. And I hope from today's podcast that you can take away the empowerment and the validation that you need to take that next step in your life that you've been too afraid to take. I'm so excited for you guys to hear from my brother-in-law, Ty Carlson, who is with us today because Ty has gone back to medical school in his 30s after already having his professional career set and stable and he was doing so well in it and he has three little kids and I feel like in this conversation of, well, how do, we, how do we chase our dreams when we feel like we're too late or we're too old or too much time has passed? His insight is just really cool and val valuable, and I'm so excited to have him here. So, hi, Ty. Hi, sis. How's it going? Good. Oh, just, just so you guys know, we call each other sis. <laughs> <laughs> I even call him sis. It's a t term of endearment in our family. Uh, Ty, how long have we known each other? Um, we met, I think I was a sophomore and you were a junior in high school. So it's been, I mean, I feel like that math feels really old to do. How many years is that? Is that like Gosh, we're 20? Almost at, almost at 20, I think, yeah. Okay, so we've known each other for almost 20 years. He's married to my sister, Brooke, so that's why uh, I also call him sis, but we've known each other forever, and uh, it's been really fun to watch you guys as you've been married and as you've really leaned into what you want to do in your life, um, see so you just chase after what it is that you want to do, and so I'm just excited to have this conversation with you. So to get started, can you give like a very quick background on what you originally went to school for 
and then where you were at in your career um, when you decided that you wanted to go back to medical school. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, originally, I wanted to do physical therapy. And so I went to physical therapy school, and I did a doctoral program in Las Vegas. And we moved to Las Vegas in 2011, after we got married. And uh, I did school there, we did the, the program, we moved back after that program was done, had no kids at that time, you know, everything was just kind of, you know, the, the easy part at that point. And then I was working as a physical therapist uh, in mostly like outpatient clinics at that time. And I had actually just gotten a job as a clinic director in Scottsdale uh, right before I turned 30. And so for my 30th birthday, Brooke uh, gave me a present that we were going to go down to Tucson for the weekend and see a U of A football game and do a staycation together down there. And then we had a conversation about medical school and it kind of just went from there. How did you guys start talking about medical school when you were there? Because you guys went down to U of A because that's where you did your undergrad. And so I know you're obsessed with Tucson and you love the program there. So while you were there, how did that conversation of, hey, I'm 30. What if I go back to med school right now at this point of my life when... (laughs) When I have the the job, like your your clinical director job for physical therapy was kind of your that was like your goal, right? Like you you had your job, <laughs> you just turned thirty, yeah. you're in Tucson, and you're like, hey, why don't I just quit everything that's going on right now and go back to school? How did that even how did that even come about? I actually don't even know this part. Yeah, so. You know, it wasn't one thing, I guess. It was, you know, I was at a point in my physical therapy career where, yeah, things were kind of getting to the point where um, that was kind of like, okay, here it is. You know, uh, we made it. And um, we had two kids and we were building a new house. And yeah. then it, <laughs> it, uh, it just, Brooke actually brought it up. She said, hey, have you ever thought about going back to school and going to medical school. And it was a weird thing. And I always try to describe this the right way because um, I had actually like little thoughts in the back of my mind uh, about it, about like, hey, I I wonder if I could get into medical school because it's, you know, just like physical therapy, just like a lot of programs, very competitive. And especially for somebody who's kind of been out of the game a little bit for several years. Like at that point, I'd been practicing for uh, a little over three years as a physical therapist for full-time. And so she brought this up. We were actually going on a hike in Ventana Canyon. And I remember like right where we were, like we were just starting the hike. And we went on this hike for like two hours and we talked about it the entire time. And then um, basically the conversation was like, well, you know, what do you think about this? And when she asked me, have you ever thought about this? I said, yeah, actually I have, uh, I've thought about it. I've thought about whether or not I could get into school, um, you know, cause it's so competitive, but I actually have. And a lot of people say, you know, did you not like being a physical therapist? And the answer was always no, you know, I really did enjoy being a physical therapist. And I think that was something that kind of made my, my desire to go to medical school uh, more real because sometimes it's hard if you feel like you're in like unhappy with the spot that you're in. Like, you know, it can be like a grass is grass is greener, like situation where you feel like, Oh, well, I'm unhappy doing this. So I just want something else. So you aren't really sure whether or not that's the right decision. But um, I don't know. I, I kept thinking about this thing that my dad had told me when I was younger. And he said, the best time to leave a job is when you're happy at that job, because if you're leaving and that means that you're going, getting into a really good situation, you know, you don't want to leave something Mm. when you're unhappy because obviously you you can, and you you do want to, but if, if you're leaving um, when you're happy with the situation, then that must mean that the opportunity is really worth it. And so oh, that's really good. I've never, I've actually never thought of anything like that before. 
Yeah. That's really so, good too, because I feel like you also, you, like you just said, you're not leaving because you hate it and, and you're trying to, you're in this survival mode of just trying to find something better, but you're in this place of, of good energy of, of really loving it. And, and you're like, I love this. And I believe that there's something else out there for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a decision that, you know, was easy to make with like a level head because of that, because I had a good job and I enjoyed it and we were in a good spot. And it kind of seemed funny, I think, to some friends and family because, it, because of those factors, because we were in a good spot. But it was like, okay, well, I feel like this thing that I, you know, kind of deep down inside of me that Brooke and I talked about felt like I kind of needed to do, felt like I wanted that responsibility. I wanted to take on a greater role. And without kind of knowing the ins and outs of healthcare and specifically like scope of practice and, and things like that, the nitty gritty, it's hard to explain because you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, okay, well, you, you were a physical therapist and you had a doctorate and you decided to go get a different doctorate. And that's true. But the way that healthcare works, it was like, okay, well, to me, for me to have the, like, uh, I guess, responsibilities that I wanted, um, I, I needed to do this. And so we had this long conversation about it and it kind of boiled down to, all right, well, let's do some research. Let's figure out, you know, whether or not my classes from undergraduate would even still apply uh, and kind of see what I would need to do to get in. And I guess I would say, like, from like you were talking about your other followers and, and you know, it seems like this really big daunting thing, like we really broke it down to like elementary steps like that. All right, let's see if I would even have to do undergrad uh, requirements, like prerequisites over again. Let's see what I would need to do in terms of testing, like the medical school requires the MCAT. And we just kind of left it at that. Like it was a good conversation. All right, let's see what we have to do next. And so we kind of moved along to the next part of, all right, well, most of the programs that I was interested in, uh, they still would accept my prerequisites that I had done uh, back in undergraduate for medical school and because of a lot of the overlap with physical therapy and medical school i fortunately had all of the prerequisites required for pretty much any of the programs the medical school programs that i was looking at so that was fortunate obviously that adds an extra step if somebody else is in that situation like maybe they had gone to school for something else and they needed to do those prerequisites but still it's like okay well you know just kind of take it stepwise like that and where Brooke and I decided was about a month after we had gotten back from that trip, I purchased the books to be able to start studying for the MCAT. And even though my prerequisites would still apply, uh, I had done most of those between 2006 and 2010, and I was applying for medical school in 2019. So 2018, 2019. So some of those classes that I was going to need the material for to be able to do well on the MCAT, um, which is the, uh, the test that you need to get in, into medical school. I hadn't done those courses, like I learned those things for 10 years or more, some of them. So it was like, all right, you know, this is this big daunting thing, but let's see how I do studying for the MCAT. Let's see how I do on the MCAT. And then that will help decide, you know, whether I'm competitive to get into medical school. And then also whether or not I'm at a point in my life where I can make myself sit down and study things and learn things, you know, the hard way like that, like I would need to do in medical school too. I think that this is really important what you're saying right now, because you really broke it down to what are the first things that I need to do to see if this is a good idea? And I think this is where people get stuck because they'll say, well, I'm right here or I'm in this job I don't like, or I'm in this job that I do like, but I want to make a career shift or I want to go back to school or I want to, whatever the thing is. And to get from where you are to where you want to be feels like this huge 
task. Sometimes it feels really impossible because of all the steps that you need to do to get there. And so it can feel obtainable. But what you're saying is I first started and I did my research of, is this going to be possible for me? And what are the littlest steps that I can take to see if it's possible? And it started with you just checking to see if your schooling would be accepted to a medical school program. And then you bought the book. You just, you bought the book to see if you, if you could study to see how you would do on the MCAT to see if this was even possible. And so I think that that's really important because you gave yourself steps so that it could lead you to that next right decision. And that's where I think people get really stuck. There's something else I want to talk about. And you kind of mentioned it when you said that you, everything was going well for you guys. Like you, you guys were building your new house. You had this job that you went to school, a, a lot of school for, because it was a physical, you were a physical therapist. So you had already done extra schooling for that. And you had two kids at that time. Um, and you were like, you know, people could wonder, why are we doing this? Were you ever afraid? Because I feel like people struggle with this of, of the outside of p- opinions about what people think about you and, and think about your choice and or if even there's people who tell you, hey, this isn't a good idea. And so then you get doubt about it. Were you ever afraid of what other people were going to think about you? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I think that that probably crosses a lot of people's minds. Um, you've known, like we talked about, we've known each other for 20 years. And for me, for my personality, um, kind of not caring about what that's other true you don't give a you me. don't give a crap what other people think about you honestly it's motivating sometimes and that was the thing too is is like i'll make decisions and sometimes i'll you know obviously brooke and i will make decisions together and um that that was something that we made a decision about this together like you know i wasn't gonna say hey this is what i need to do and i don't care about how you feel about it we made the decision all right we're gonna pursue this um to every step at every step together and from outside of our relationship you know family and friends there were definitely people who thought it was great were really excited and there were definitely people who were like why why are you doing this and i it's just my personality the you know the type of person that i am but that's really motivating to me almost when people doubt me more um or like you know like question you know okay well this is going to be really hard or, you know, are you sure you really want to do this? And there are people that in your life that care about you that will say those things in a good way, but there are also people that, you know, whether they're in your friends or family that I don't know if it's, you know, um, like in insecurity on their part or jealousy or, or anything else, but they, will make it seem like it might not be a great idea for you to do and they can give you reasons and those reasons might be it might even be projection of reasons why they might not be successful in doing it because of a b or c and they might tell you those things or or why you might not be successful and so i guess you know those little things it's like it's you know locker room bulletin board material for me to kind of give a sports analogy, you know, it's, it's uh, the type of thing where it's like, Hey, you know, this person said this about what you're thinking about doing, you know, let's prove them wrong. You know, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to prove to myself and to everybody else that I can do this. And so I guess everybody has a different personality, but, you know, don't let those things, you know, listen to the people that you trust, you know, obviously, you know, you hope that they're going to give you good advice and be reasonable, but also trust your gut about things. And if it feels right, whether that person that is a friend or somebody like that might be doubting you, you know, just prove it to yourself that, hey, I want this and, and I can achieve it. And, you know, you can be successful. Something that I do, <clears throat> I've learned this over the years, when I know that I need to do something in the beginning, especially when I, when I started building my company, there would be things where I just felt 
like I needed to do, but I would be talked out of it by um, advisors that I had hired for the company or just outside voices. And every single time I listened to other people and not myself, it never ended well for the project or for the thing that we were pursuing. And so something that I've, I now do in my life is when I make these big decisions, of course, I talk to Mike about it because that's important in a partnership, but I often don't tell people right away what I'm doing. I just start doing it. So for example, me going back to school, I told very minimal people that I was going back to school this year. In fact, when I announced it on my Instagram six weeks into my program, uh, dad Father Shine texted me that same day and he said, why am I just finding out <laughs> that you're g- going back in school? And I, I didn't even realize that I hadn't told him. And if I would have told him, he would have been so supportive. But I just have gotten into this habit of listening to what I want to do and then doing it. And then once I'm in it and I feel more confident and I've, and I've leaned into trusting my gut, then I invite more people in. Um, on the journey with me so that I'm, I'm trusting the right people in, in the process and I'm not getting stuck be, and hung up on what anyone else thinks about me. Everything that you said just now, Ty, is so good. Can we talk about just for, just really quickly, because I, what I don't want people to feel like in this conversation is also us saying, go after your dreams. It's going to be easy. You just have to do it. Right. Because the reality is, is what we're saying is go after the things that you want to do. You can do it and it's going to be hard, but you can still do it. And I want to talk about the sacrifices that you've made, specifically the ones that you were making while you still had your physical therapy job and these little kids and you're studying for the MCAT to see if you can even get into medical school. What were some of the hard sacrifices that you had to make during that time? Yeah, so good question. Um, so as a clinical director, I, and I was pretty much the only physical therapist that worked at this site. We had different other people that worked there um, that I worked alongside, but I pretty much had to be there for most of the day. And so figuring out time to study, we had little kids at that time, really little kids. And we decided that what I was going to do is to kind of keep our evenings open. um, So that way I could still be dad and husband and I wasn't, you know, tired from work and things like that and trying to study at that point. And instead, what I was going to do is work, wake wake up uh, a couple hours before work uh, every day. Um, And I was going to use that time to study. And I was going to be really quiet and go downstairs and use my books and computer. uh, So that way I didn't wake anybody up. But I was waking up. I typically had to work at seven at those those times. And I was waking up at the beginning at five. And I would study from five to six. And then as I progressed, I would wake up a little bit earlier, closer to four, and then study for a couple hours in the mornings. And so I tried to maintain like the evenings and the weekends as they had been uh you know just family time as long as i could up until when the mcat was scheduled um it was going to be like the the month before the mcat or the last couple weeks i think i studied most of the days on the weekends also but up until that month that the test was actually scheduled for the you know the three or four months before that i was you know, really, if you had just been there from the time that the kids were awake and then the time that we went to sleep at night, everything kind of stayed the same. And it was because of that, like, okay, well, I want to sacrifice, you know, things that I'm doing, but I don't want that to have an undue burden on my family. So here's a way that I can achieve it. And it definitely, you know, I got less sleep. Um, I had to be really uh, dedicated about how I was giving up my time um, I definitely didn't uh, get to have as much like just plain relaxation time as I had been. And it was, a, you know, it's a big sacrifice. It was a lot of work. 
And at that point I knew, okay, well, medical school is going to be a lot of work. Um, if I'm able to do this, then I should probably be able to be successful in budgeting my time in medical school as well. So there was, you know, there was a couple of weekends, I think Brooke took the kids with, um, your parents down to Rocky point one of the weekends. And I stayed home because I think it was the weekend before my test and I stayed home to study. And there are definitely times that I missed out on a couple things like that. But I also knew that getting into school and this is, you know, with medical school, but the other programs too, there were going to be opportunities that I had to say, no, I can't do that. I need to study or no, I can't do that. I have school or I have clinical rotations, but, um, yeah, like you're saying, you know, go after, go after what you want, definitely. But understand that those sacrifices are, you know, you need to accept that those sacrifices are something that you're going to be willing to make on the front end because yeah. they're going to be there. But also, you know, I think that my being a dad and we had two kids at the time, we have three now, uh, I knew that, okay, well, I can do these things. And I think that I'm, more mature and older. And I think I'm, I'm going to be better at managing my time now after I understand what it's like to take care of little kids and have a full-time job than I did when I was in graduate school for physical therapy the first time. So where are the ways that I can improve? What are the things that, that I've, I know from my experiences and from my maturity that I can take into being more successful? And so I think that those are the things that gave me an advantage because when you're an undergrad or you're, you know, a young person in graduate school, you know, fresh out of undergrad or something like that, you know, you, you, you think, you know, it like, you know, it's a, the old thing, like, you know, all the teenagers think they know everything. Right. And then you yeah. grow up a little bit and then you realize, well, you didn't know everything. You learned a little bit more and then you grow up a little bit more and you realize, okay, well, even in my twenties, I didn't know everything. So you just, you know, we're a you know, a culmination, an amalgamation of all of our experiences and learning. And so I, I felt confident in my ability to take those things that I had learned along the way to be, to be able to be successful in medical school and even just preparing for medical school. I think something that I hear so much from women who are part of our online community is that they feel like they're too old or they're too far behind. And what I love to do instead is to have you think about all the ways that your life experience up until this point is going to help you be successful at this new venture. So for you, how you were just saying, you know, you were in your thirties, you were a dad, you had already had this experience. And so then it helped you manage your time better and it helped you prioritize things better. And I think that with age can come wisdom and, and that it can be used as a way to help support you instead of something that keeps you just stuck feeling like you have lost too much time. So I love that. And I also know that at some point, too, you guys literally moved houses. You you sold the bigger house that you had bought and built that we've been talking about, and you moved into a smaller one to help support you financially through the process, too. So there's been a lot of sacrifices that you guys have made, but you know that what is coming and what you're doing is greater than the things that you have given up, which I think is such an important thing that we all remember is that, is that what we have coming in the future that we're working toward is worth making those sacrifices for. So Ty, thank you so much for just giving us so much insight today. I, I want to end on one thing and that's with now that you're in medical school you guys also had a new baby, <laughs> my little nephew, JJ, he turns one in November. So you've had him during medical school. And I think that sometimes people think that, I don't know, that everything else in life has to stop during these big changes or that you have to put other things on hold. Can you just talk a little bit about what it's been like to have kids during this big process for you guys? Yeah, definitely. 
So even back when I was studying for the MCAT and um, Alex was my little, you know, just my little guy at that point. And he would wake up so early and he would come downstairs and uh, he would always ask me, like, how's studying dad? And um, now that, you know, him and Summer are a little bit older, like I'll bring home, you know, books and models of different things. And Summer's actually a little bit more interested in it now. She wants to see all of my suturing kits and she wants to watch me <laughs> do all these different things. They, they bring me their stuffed animals to sew up when they get their tears in them. So that way we can keep the stuffing inside. And it's, it's really fun actually, because um, they get to see, you know, their dad doing something that is hard, you know, and is, it takes a big sacrifice, you know, not unlike a lot of other parents do, whether it's in a job or starting a business or what, you know, having their own business or, or anything like that. You know, there are a lot of things that we as parents do uh, to sacrifice for our kids and for the things that we think are, are important. And I think that that was a motivating factor for me to get into school, to do well in school, uh, is being a good example for my kids and them being able to see that, you know, dad was doing this and he felt strongly that he needed to do something else that was important to him and that uh, he, he worked hard to do it. And I hope that they're, you know, proud that their dad is, you know, even though the dad's still a student that like, okay, well, dad worked hard towards something. And then he decided that something else was important and he worked really hard towards that other thing. And so I think it's also something that is really helpful to be able to come home. And I know some people in any kind of uh, venture, especially education, you know, you spend a lot of time studying and obviously I do, but being able to say, okay, well now we're going to, you know, do bath time and now we're going to make dinner for the kids. And now we're going to read, we've been reading Harry Potter this week. So now we're going to read Harry Potter. And so being able to kind of shift and say, all right, we can take time today to be able to do this and completely just change gears and get into other mindset of, okay, now it's time to be dad. And um, I think that it's really good for me and probably really good for a lot of other people to say, all right, I'm going to budget my time for this important thing, but then now change gears. And it's kind of like, okay, you get to put on your other hat uh, as a parent and, and uh, it's just, you know, you get to release some stress, you get to just hang with your kids. And then it kind of takes you out of that I need to really grind on studying things. So I've, I've appreciated it. I've enjoyed uh, medical school, having, you know, the kids with us a lot more than I enjoyed even doing physical therapy school. I feel like I've been able to do, uh, do well and to be even probably put less time into it uh, because of how I'm able to, you know, use them to be more efficient. I know they're going to wake up at a certain time, or I know I'm going to be needing to, you know, do bath time for them. So I need to plan myself around that. And so I think, I don't know, I, it gets, just gives you a different kind of focus. I think. I think that there's a lot of people who use their kids as reasons not to do something. And I think it does such a disservice to everybody in the family because because that's not the purpose of kids. And I, I watch, you know, your kids watching you and summer talks about being a doctor and, and she loves like summer, um, just turned five, my little niece. And she loves everything to do with blood and fixing things and, and just having them be a part of the process is so impactful for everybody. And, when you think about your kids and, and their future, you would never want them to not do something because of you, right? And so preventing yourself from doing something that you want to do because of them just, just is a disservice to everyone. And I love what you've said, that, that being able to involve your family and being able to have them to set 
schedules and to set boundaries around your time studying is something that's actually been really supportive. Ty, thank you so much for being on here today. Everyone who is listening, we are, we're rooting for you and you're not too old. It's not too late. You're not too far behind. You can do the things that make you happy and light you up and you could still have more life ahead of you than you have behind you. And I hate, I just hate this notion of we have to have everything figured out in our 20s because I had no idea what I was doing in my 20s. And it's a, it's a lot of pressure. And it's also, it's just also not true. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that crossed my mind when we were on that trip, Brooke and I, for my 30th birthday was, um, you know, what are people going to say? And it's like, okay, well, you're not going to be done with school or training until you're 40. And that was, you know, somebody, somebody said something like that to me. And I said, well, I, you know, God willing, will turn 40 at some point and I can either do it with a medical degree or, or not. And so I'm going to choose to do it with one. I love it. That's such a good note to end on. <laughs> you can, you're going to turn that age at some point and you might as well turn that age with that thing under your belt that you're wanting for in your life. So everyone, you can do it. Ty, thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us today. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.